Welcome, welcome, curious souls, to the Macabre Emporium, your sanctuary for the unusual, the mysterious, and the appalling. Step through our cryptic doorway into a world where secrets whisper and enigmas come to life. I'm David. And I'm Sarah. Together, we're your custodians of the macabre, guiding you through tales that defy the ordinary. Discover the untold stories, from lesser-known cases of true crime to the bizarre events that captivate us. Join us on a journey to the shadows where the mainstream fades and the extraordinary beckons. So whether you seek the bizarre, the eerie, or the chillingly obscure, you're in for a treat here at Macabre Emporium. Welcome back to Macabre Emporium. This is episode 51. And is this your first time joining us? If you haven't frozen to death over the last week, welcome. Welcome, ice cubes. Yeah, because I mean, it's currently what negative four degrees as we're yeah. recording this right now. And yeah, when I woke up this morning, it was actual temperature negative mm-hmm. seven, and the feels like was negative thirty one. No, I'm sure. Yeah, no, thank you. But recently, one of the people that I use background music for has followed us on YouTube. So go check out co.ag music on YouTube. I, some of the music pieces I've used for him do come from his Patreon, so you will not hear those on there. But still, go give him a follow and give his music a listen to, because I do tend to listen to it sometimes just because. Yeah. Do it. You also, and just kind of bring it up, Wednesday nights, we, we, we play games on Twitch. Sometimes it's just me. Sometimes it's both of us. We just finished the quarry on there, which had somewhat of a shocking ending, but that wasn't the choices I made. That was those that have showed up when they were, I left it up to a vote for them, to what choices I made. And we were like, oh, we're doing pretty good here on body counts. And then we got to the end and like three people got taken out immediately. It's like, well, we were doing good here. Now we're doing terrible. I think only like three people survived basically by the end of it. Oh, so. But we're playing, like, some co-op stuff. Sometimes if it's solo, it's going to probably be something along the lines of true crime, paranormal, whatnot. I'm not doing the popular bullshit like Call of Duty and stuff like that. I'm keeping it in theme with the podcast. Uh-huh. So Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern is when we do those. So what do you have for this week, Sarah? Uh... Breath. <laughs> Breath. Sarah was on the struggle bus this last couple days. Ooh, struggling trying hard. Trying to find a subject, so I told her just, we'll do a shorter episode with just my story. So I'm just here week. for the ride. So yeah, I'll be reminiscent of April of last year. That was a whole month. This is just one episode. For now, who knows? What do you mean? It might happen again. Not tomorrow. Well, Not the day after. True. Not next week. Hopefully not next week. Hopefully not next week. I'll be back next week. All right. We're going to hold you, hold you to it. Okay. <laughs> Consider me held. So this week I have somewhat of an inspirational story. I had postponed it back to this week because I had an inspiration for the Girl Scout cookies last week. So last week's episode, which was supposed to be the first one of the new year, is now today. Well, better late than never, right? I guess so. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of. I mean, descent. it is only the second week. Right, that phrase kind of goes along with this. Yeah. Okay. I'll figure that out. <laughs> I guess I don't, I don't get the reference. All right. So you're going to be like, what the hell is with this? Kind of. And it's kind of, I thought it was a good story to use for an inspirational piece for people that have New Year's resolutions because usually most people drop them out in 30 days. Yeah. So I kind of thought maybe this might give them a boost to try and keep going. Okay. 
this like whole story is kind of crazy. At least I thought it was. So you ready to get started? Yeah. All right. With the start of 2024, most people have a new year resolution. I found this story months ago and I wanted to inspire everyone into the new year about trying something new and to keep the eye on the prize with their resolutions. Cliff Young. Cliff Young was born on February 8th, 1922. He was the third of seven children of Mary and Albert Ernest Young. The Young family were sheep herders and potato farmers by trade in Beach Forest, southwestern Victoria, Australia. His family struggled with poverty before the Great Depression and were even poorer than before and after. And their family home was described as a bark hut in one of these articles I used for this, but this bark hut is more like a cabin as we would know here in the United States. What they call it? A bark? bark? A, a bark hut. So think like going to Greenfield Village, some of those smaller cabins that they had okay. where it's just like slap boards on the outside. Yeah. That's basically what this bark hut looks like to me. Okay. So one of Cliff's main duties on the farm was to round up the 2,000 sheep on the 2,000-acre farm on foot as they couldn't afford a tractor or a horse for him to ride to do this task. In 1973, Cliff took up the vegetarian lifestyle as he found it hypocritical to eat meat as the animals he cared for trusted him after eating beef stew one night. They just then started to trust him after he no, ate the beef stew? No, he found it hypocritical to eat meat after while he's this, caring for the animals. After he had this beef stew one night. Okay. By his 30s, he would go to Queensland during the winter months, cutting sugarcane in Childers. It wouldn't be until doing seasonal work in New Zealand that Cliff would find the joy in the long run. For most of his life, in the small town he lived, he could always be seen running and would run up to 12 to 18 miles a day before breakfast. God damn. So yeah, like in a lot of the videos, just it shows him just running everywhere. How early did he get up? Probably three, probably like four or five o'clock in the morning to start God. caring for animals. So Cliff's long running is also like doing marathon runs. So I looked up to see the whole origins of the marathon. The name marathon comes from the legend of Pheidippides, the great messenger. The legend states that while he was taking part in the Battle of Marathon, which took place in either August or September 490 BCE, he witnessed a Persian vessel changing its course towards Athens as the battle was near a victorious end for the Greek army. He interpreted this as an attempt by the defeated Persians to rush into the city to claim a false victory or simply raid, hence claiming the authority over Greek over the Greek land. It is believed by historians that the Pheidippides ran that Pheidippides ran the entire distance to Athens without stopping discarding his weapons and even clothes to lose as much weight as possible and burst into the assembly, exclaiming, We have won! Before collapsing and dying. The distance between Athens and Marathon is about 25 miles. So this Ooh. is the set distance for marathon running. Oh, okay. And today they still actually hold a marathon in the same distance. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. In 1979, at the age of 56, he ran the Adidas Super Run a nine-mile race in Melbourne, Australia, and completed the race in 64 minutes. After this race, he would go on to compete in the Melbourne Marathon after seeing an ad in the newspaper and finished with a time of three hours, 21 minutes, and 41 seconds that same year. He would then compete in this race a total of four more times and set a personal best of three hours, four minutes, and 53 seconds in 1980. It'd take me like three days. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, probably. I have no idea how long that would take me too, because I'd probably be getting the first mile. And be like, fuck this, I'm done. And he's doing this in like in his fifties, like post COVID lungs, or right. And he's been, yeah. you know, 
running like this his entire life. Yeah. So this is like nothing new to him. The most interesting part, the most interesting part of these races is that he came in and ran them looking like a spectator, not just because of his age, but also his clothing. So in a lot of the videos I watched about this, he's like wearing what they called gum boots, which is like the almost like mid calf, like three quarters of the way up to calf rubber boots, like you see farmers wear on dairy farms and stuff oh, like yeah. that. So they call them gum boots in Australia. So it's like a rubber boot like that is what he's wearing. Ooh. And he wears these rubber boots because he hates wet feet. You know he's got to be sweaty as fuck in there, no, though. I'm sure. Kind of defeats the because purpose where of he lives, it is wearing uh, them. He said that where he lives, it said that he, um, it rains nine months out of the year there, Ugh. but not like continuous rain. But, oh, right. You know. One of his crew members for the race coming up said in an interview that when he met Cliffy at the Victorian Professional Cross Country, he thought he was a spectator as he was wearing long sleeve shirts, pants, and gum boots or rubber boots as we know them, like I just described. Now, in 1983, the age of 61, Cliff would enter an ultra marathon because a marathon is 26.1 miles and anything over that's considered an ultra marathon. So 26.2 miles would be considered an ultra marathon? No, because the distance 26.1 is the marathon distance. Anything over that would be, well, you said... 26.2. Yeah, it technically would, but I don't think they would actually yeah. really call it that. It has to be much larger numbers than like right. a point one. So this ultra marathon that he entered is between the two largest shopping centers in Sydney and Melbourne, Australia. The Westfield Parmarata in Sydney and the Westfield Doncaster in Melbourne. The distance between these two centers is 875 kilometers or 511 miles. Gah! He ran that? Maybe. The winner of this race would also be awarded $10,000 or just over $30,000 today in 2024. $10,000 mm-hmm. to run 5,000 miles. 500. Sorry, 500, <laughs> 500 miles. That's like going to my dad's and back and then halfway back up. Mm-hmm. Fuck every inch of that. And not only that, this is also on a continent where it's hot. Yeah. It's always raining. And every piece everything of, wants to kill you. Every <laughs> piece of wildlife wants to kill you. But some of them are just too small to do it. Ooh, yeah. No, thank you. So Cliff would also show up to the Sydney shopping center and just like he did before, showed up in long pants and a long sleeve shirt, but he had cut holes in them for ventilation. So like, this is just what he ran in is just regular everyday clothes. Like long pants? Mm-hmm. Like jeans or whatever you want to call them. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. And he also did this without his dentures because he said they would rattle when he would run. So he didn't run with his teeth in. Understandable. And as soon as the race started, Cliff was quickly left behind by the other runners. But Cliff would still shuffle along the first day, not giving up. Somewhere between 10 and 11 p.m., Cliff catches up with the rest of the runners who had gone to bed to sleep. And so would Cliff after the long first day. Now, this is where a mistake is made, but also had a huge impact on Cliff's competition in this race. One of his crew members named Wally Zellenberg makes the mistake of waking him up at 2.30 in the morning instead of 5.30. Half asleep towards Melbourne, it would be six miles down the road. It took for Wally to finally realize that his mistake, to realize the mistake that he's made of waking Cliff up too early. But this didn't have that much of an effect on Cliff and his abilities due to his life on the farm as he would go two or three days running after the animals on little to no sleep already before the storms would come in. That's crazy. So this now would become their winning strategy. Sleep less and run more than the other racers, even sleepwalk if he had to. 
and some of the things that he did during this race, he imagined that him to keep himself going is that he imagined that he was out in the fields chasing after the animals to bring them in so he would keep going while running. Huh. Kind of like uh, one of my sisters that would go on walks by herself in the woods and listen to, like, creepy podcasts or, creep, you know, creepy music to give her the motivation to keep moving and not stop in case there was something <laughs> behind her. Yeah. God. But, yeah, I mean... It's a good strategy, I guess. So by the end of the third night, Cliff has completed 200 of the 511 miles and is ahead of John News by 43 miles and Joe Record by 18 miles, in which these two were in favor of winning this inaugural marathon run. And these guys were like professional runners. Uh-huh. And this is just a 61-year-old farmer that decided to enter this just to see if he can do it. And the terrain is, you know, very hilly, up and down, and he's, they're all running along the side of the major highways because there's not many roadways through Australia. It's all basically connected by, you know, major highways in between all the larger cities. So there's, like, cars and shit zooming yep. by him as they're running? Yep. Oh, and God. And they're running in the rain, and they have chase vehicles that are behind them and everything. So, so even running on this uneven terrain, um, Cliff is now also possibly suffering from a dislocated shoulder after he tripped and fell on a rock. Ooh. And race organizers are starting to be concerned that Cliff is going to collapse or have some other serious health issues. But Cliff keeps shuffling along down the road as if nothing's wrong because his style of running is not like what you're thinking of. He's more of a just like, a, it's hard to explain. Like to a you. slow pace? Yeah, just kind of one of those half-assed runs to get across the street almost like somebody does. Like a speed walk. Oh, just above a speed walk. Okay. So, but this is how he ran most of the way and. Probably saved his energy a little bit doing yeah. that, not full on running. Yeah, and even with his slow pace of running, his chase vehicle would have a, you know, one of his crew members uh, after dark, like hanging out the passenger side window with a great big spotlight hanging overhead, so they could so he could see what's in front of him. As word spread to the media about the sixty-one year old running the race, they would do interviews with him, asking if he thought he could win or finish this race and without any doubt showing in his answers he tells them oh yeah i plan on making it to the end and maybe end up winning joe record professional runner and one of his good friends from doing other marathons that he also had trained with would end up catching up to cliff by the end of night four of the race and wake cliff up to let him know he finally caught up to him which i would be guess is just a friendly competition thing because mm-hmm. they knew each other just like hey buddy I caught up with you and then joe takes off running and because of this cliff basically jumps out of bed and would throw on his running shoes and start running but also at the twice of the pace that he was before and put 18 miles between joe and the other runners as they stopped for their breakfast by now people are starting to think cliff was made up was a made-up legend to go with this race because many people didn't want to believe a 61 year old potato farmer out running professional athletes in such a grueling race during one of his stops for breakfast while being interviewed cliff was asked what he was going to do if someone was coming up again behind him like his friend joe he said that i will take off as fast as i can and try to keep ahead in the last 12 miles as he closes in on melbourne still leading the pack he starts to become emotional and runs it and runs the fastest he has at any point in this race you could say might he could be you could say he might become recharged by all the people who knew he was by now he said he liked the crowds cheering him on but didn't like to be like some of the other runners that were just like zombies as they ran by so he would smile and wave it to them as he went by because any small town he came to or any large gathering areas, there would be people just shouting and hollering mm-hmm. his name and all the things in between <coughs> just to motivate him to keep going. Yeah. Like in one of his short breaks while he was running for his life for a bathroom at a gas station, 
where women were trying to kiss and hug on him before he could make his way into the bathroom. Even while he was in the bathroom, the race officials and his crew had to demand the crowd to clear the way and just to let him run, and they needed to keep him running to stay ahead. And on Tuesday at 1.34 in the morning, like a new telling of the tortoise and the hare, Cliff Young would win the grueling ultramarathon in five days, five hours, and four minutes. To the cheers of thousands, his mother, whom he had thought had stayed home to prepare his bed for him, wanted to be there for when he reached Melbourne, and she even shared in with the excitement he had when the crowd started singing a jolly good fellow to him in their celebration that he defied all the odds and doubts, and Cliff finished this race two days earlier than any other race that was held between these two cities. Wow. His average speed of running the 511 miles would be four miles per hour. If it had not been for this mistake that Wally had made that first night, we wouldn't have the inspiration that is now Cliff Young. Wally did joke that he did vow during the race that he would buy a proper watch when this was all over that he could <laughs> tell the time on. When he'd learned that there was a $10,000 prize in his shock on the news, he said that would buy a lot of potatoes. <laughs> but he doesn't need to buy potatoes. He is a potato right, farmer. Right, but that's what he knows by trade. He's just saying, wow, I'd buy a lot of potatoes. <clears throat> right. But he gave away most of the money to five other runners of this race that had worked as hard as he did to finish it. One of these runners would be competitor and friend John Record, who dropped out at 453 miles from the pains of running such long distances and was only barely able to walk at this point when he finally decided to call it quits. I bet. And he was only 50 miles away from catching up the cliff at that point. It doesn't sound like a big number, but that's 50 miles. Right. That's a long way. Oh, I know. It's a long way, but still. Just the whole competition thing of, you know, between them from the first, yeah. the one night he woke up to him and, and woke him up and all that. So yeah. even though I couldn't find other times for the runners, runners ups of this race, it wouldn't be until the 10 hours later before the next runners would start showing up to complete this race as where Cliff had already caught some sleep and he's already attended four press conferences by the time the first runners showed up holy shit yeah he was that far ahead yep wow all because he guess you can call it you know, like doing an old man shuffle type run later on after the race cliff would go uh, go to later on after the race cliff would go to the australian institute of sports in canberra as doctors and scientists are amazed by cliff's ability to run this race at such an advanced age yeah they would study his lungs, his heart, and his skin folds and pair his vegetarian diet against the scientific diet that the top athlete at the time of this country, Randy Costellos, was eating due to them both not containing any red meat whatsoever at this time. Doctors would be amazed also that Cliff's skin folds would be very similar to that a runner half of his age. Wow. Yeah, like, this guy is very, I guess you could say, skinny. Lean. Lean, yeah, we'll use lean as a better term. Cliff would make three more runs at this race and only finish one more time in the following years, but it didn't state why he wasn't able to finish this race. My guess would be due to health issues or just getting older. Yeah. Before the world knew the name Cliff Young and was never married, he lived at home with his mother and his brother Sid until he won. He ended up meeting a 23-year-old named Mary Howell and race sponsor Westfield would host their wedding for the entertainment and shoppers, but they would soon divorce five years later. And this would be the one and only real relationship that he's had outside of his family, as he never really knew how to talk to women in his entire life. It was almost found comical by him by this grin on his face in this documentary I watched about him, that when he returned to his home, uh, returned to his hometown, they held a welcome home party in the same community center where they held dances for teens where he would run from girls at the age of 14. Uh 
that would him running a race when I bring him back to the same building. Even though shortly after this race, he did say he would give up marathon running when he hit the age of 65. He would still go on running until he was at least 75 years old in an attempt to beat Ron Grant's around Australia record. He ended up completing 4,051 miles of the 9,941 miles, but had to stop due to one of his crew members becoming ill. 4,000? <laughs> oh my god. I can't even imagine attempting to start that. Right. But Cliff isn't done running as he set a world record for age during a six-day race in Victoria at the age of 78. <laughs> It's like the fucking Energizer bunny. <laughs> he just keeps going yeah. and going. Cliff's running career would come to an end with a mild stroke, but not before he would rack up a total of 12,400 miles running. That is insane. But unfortunately, Cliff Young would pass away at the age of 81 on November 2nd, 2003, after his body was so worn out from multiple strokes, various illnesses, and ultimately from cancer, which I was Aww. not able to find what type of cancer it was. And after his passing, a gum boot card from Stone would be dedicated in Beach Forest, Victoria, memorializing Cliff and his achievements. When his sister Helen was asked about him after he passed away, he is the first of us to go, but then again, he was always on the go. And that's the story of Cliff Young. Hopefully you guys can find some inspiration in Cliff's story here if you feel like giving up. Because, you know, the way this man ran, he never gave up. And marathon runners now actually use his style of running for long distances. And it's known as the Cliff Shuffle. The Cliff Shuffle. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of like the real life Forrest Gump. Mm, kind of, but... Minus, you know, all the shrimp and... Right. Stuff. Right. No Captain Dan. No Lieutenant Dan. Cap, that's what it was. Not Captain. That's insane, though. Right. I can't imagine doing that at 40. Right. Let alone into my fucking 80s. Right. And I cannot remember. I think it was the city of Kolniak. They they had a marathon at one point. They had also renamed it the Cliff Young Marathon or Cliff Young Fun Run or something like that. But they changed it specifically to, you know honor cliff's life and legacy yeah do they still have it no they do not it ended Mm. in like 2005 and then somebody tried to revive it in 2008 and they got no traction hey traction because you know runners needed it (laughs) wasn't even trying for that and it just happened i know but you were ready with that hey because you knew it was coming (laughs) it just popped in my head after i said it you know it's like hey i made a pun without even trying yeah you did so, unfortunately, this week's going to be a little short, but, you know. That's all right. All right. But even though I've said that before, and it ends up being almost a full-length episode anyway. So, hopefully, we'll have a full-length episode for you guys next week. We will. I'm being held, remember? Right. That's right. She did say that at the beginning, that she said she was going to come back. Yeah. I wasn't planning on not doing anything this time. Oh, I know. Just. I mean, you know there's been times I've had that. My brain was not on par with anything at all. All right, because, you know, there's been stories I've tried to do and force myself, and it just, like, yeah. I don't want to do it. Yep, if I'm not feeling it, I'm not feeling it. So right. I'd rather just not do one than to put something out that I know I'm going to rush through right. and forget to put important details in. Right. So it is what it is. Here we are. I'll be back next week. Right. But I think it's time we close the Emporium up for the day, Sarah, because it's so cold outside and we need to get home. I agree. 
So until next time. Remember to creep it real. All right. Bye. Okay, bye. Please go and check out our website at macabemporiumpodcast.com. Join our Facebook group by searching Macabre Emporium. Like and subscribe on YouTube at Macabre Emporium Podcast. Follow us on TikTok at Macabre Emporium Pod. Follow us on Twitter at Macabre Emporium. If you have any stories of the paranormal, your local true crime or weird history that you would like us to look into and possibly do an episode on, email us at macabemporiumpod at gmail.com. And remember to follow, rate, review, and share whenever and wherever you can to help us grow our podcast.